Hi everyone, welcome to the latest edition of CSM Successcast. Uh, I'm Mike, I am joined today by uh, Drew, Kathleen and uh, our latest member, um, Ellie Wu. Um, so thank you very much all for joining. Today's uh, topic was uh, decided on pretty hurriedly um, and comes from uh, we, we've been at various conferences over the last couple of weeks so uh, specifically at, um, at SuccessCon uh, West um, up in Seattle and at the uh, Technology Services World Conference or TSW in uh, in Vegas wasn't it Kathleen? That is correct. Awesome. And so Kathleen, uh, in an attempt to win back her gambling losses, uh, will give us a bit of a summary of what happened there. Uh, and Ellie and I will talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that we picked up from SuccessCon. Uh, but really what we want to do here is just have a general uh, chat about where we think the the state of the industry is at at the moment, where people are seeming to have some of the top challenges and in doing so hopefully uh, for those of you that weren't at these things give you a sense of what was being talked about and for those of you that um, uh, for those of you that were uh, maybe give you a sense of like some of the things that you might want to be might really thinking about in in as you go and be uh, uh, in go forwards in your customer success roles um, so uh, just before we started recording I cut Kathleen off in a bit of a summary as to what was happening at TSW so let's Let's start there. So, uh, what were what were some of the themes that, that really popped out for popped out for you, Kathleen? There. Well, first, I I have to say that I am an absolute wimp when it comes to gambling. I um, played craps once, and it was highly overrated. Um, so, thankfully, I didn't really lose anything because I didn't go to the tables. Fantastic. But... That's the best way to play. <laughs> But um, I, I really was super impressed with TSIA, which, which um, by the way, for those that um, may be new to um, this organization, it's called the Technology Services Industry Association, and they um, host a conference twice a year. The second one that I went to was in Las Vegas um, called TSW, which stands for Technology Services World. Um, and it was just a really fantastic um, way to see the state of um, the industry overall. And there were topics around, um, you know, around the entire, what I would call, you know, transformation that the entire industry is going through in terms of establishing a managed services um, side of the business, if you will, um, as well as um, the necessary, that the need to establish a customer success team to support that offering as well. And it was just very fascinating to me. Um, we had companies, um, HPE was there, we had um, GE there, there were a number of very large organizations. Dell was there, um, Dell EMC. And so these are massive organizations. And um, from my perspective, my experience with customer success has been with smaller organizations where it's very easy to determine the path and everyone <clears throat> rows in the same direction, right? What's fascinating about the journey these very large companies are going through is that there, there has to be a balance between maintaining what is still a very profitable side of the business with also nurturing and building this this emerging um, offering that this company is willing to um, is looking to 
enable. And and it was it was really interesting. Um, one of the keynotes was just talking about um, going through what what we called a, a a J curve, if you will. And it's it's really the journey that global enterprises have to take where they are going down the path of establishing, you know, and really disrupting themselves to stay ahead of the game, right, if you will, right? So um, um, it's it's kind of like the old adage of, you know, be Netflix, don't be Blockbuster. So constantly disrupt yourself. And so it's just very fascinating to hear about the journey of <clears throat> how an organization has to take itself through the J curve. And if you imagine, you know, a J, you're, you kind of go through this, um, loss of uh, profits over time in order to be able to go through the disruption. But at some point, you um, pass that threshold where you're net zero. And it's amazing to see the trajectory, um, significant positive trajectory in the future as you come out the other side of disrupting yourself. And they always hold uh, Adobe, like Adobe keeps gets put up as one of the people that went through that when they shifted to uh, shifted to a subscription based model. There's an early an early hit on the package revenue, and then everything starts to everything starts to increase. And were they so were they, so is, given the the base of people that are typically at something like that have historically been the members of TSIA, so big support organisations, big the big professional services type organisations, so companies that have those types of big functions, were they talking lot about how you transition this from a business that makes a ton of money from professional services to something where it's kind of got a more a more of a customer success focus than the kind of free to paid model or was that <clears throat> was that what they were talking about the j curve in relation to um not necessarily i don't think that it was it was put into the perspective of either you make money or your customer success i think that there is a point <clears throat> there is a point in the journey where um, you are going to see some um, uh, some loss at some you know during the beginning of that journey, but at some point once you have really established the um, right you know metrics, the right teams, um, the right structure of your organization. Um, and the necessary visibility into what success looks like for your customers, then I think that then ultimately um, ensures that not only are you profitable in the long run, but you've been able to successfully, as you say, like Adobe, um, transform yourself to um, uh, not be disrupted by, um, you know, some, um, you know, startups that come along, et cetera. So I thought it was just very, yeah, it's just a very fascinating journey um, that these large companies were were being faced with. Yeah, and it's good to see that that <clears throat> the the TSW definitely that's their the focus is the very typically the very large organisations looking at transforming from an old model to a new model. Um, Ellie, just thinking about um, customer like SuccessCon uh, and the Customer Success Association and the the event in the West, like <clears throat> what was your what was your take on that? Like what, what was the what was the dynamic there? What was what do you think were the kind of key key theme coming out of it was? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of the shift now with some of the non-traditional companies. It's uh, Adobe is definitely one that a lot of folks talked about. It was even brought up and featured at the CS100 event earlier this year in Utah. And so when you look at the shift, and this is something that came up when we were at SuccessCon talking about 
uh, customer success now moving outside of traditional software companies because of things like the Internet of Things, your fridge being able to tell you what's going on. You think about all the home products we have that you know, we even see sometimes they need to have recalls because they're listening to us. So it's definitely a shift that's moving to these larger companies, and it's, it's nice for somebody like Adobe to take that first step out there to show how can you get a large organization, get your shareholders on board to trust you in this vision of customer success, right, and making that shift and investing in it appropriately. And that's also why we're seeing that shift also um, in line with the revenue responsibility, how the majority of people now also have some owned or shared revenue um, that's tied to their compensation and how that's coming about. And I think that that's what's leading to more of these discussions. Um, and also at TSW, in their San Diego conference when it was, I think, back in May as well, they were talking about the CS being a services motion, but really kind of also beating that drum of the sales outcome. So I think more as we realize that impact it has directly on revenue, there's going to be more people looking at it, and that's where we're going to start seeing more leaders getting the seats at the table and getting, I think, more of the resources to deliver on these outcomes that everyone's talking about. Yeah, it's it was... so interesting, Ellie, that um, um, when you were talking about that debate in terms of, and I'll call it the, the debate because it seems like it's a, um, a hotly discussed topic of the ownership of revenue within the customer success organization. That was um, certainly one of the questions that was asked, um, maybe not necessarily on stage, but certainly in, um, you know, in conversations that I had um, throughout the hallways. What was your sense from customer, you know, from customer success con? Um, where was it shifting? So, Mike, did you have another point to make before I answer that question? Because I, I heard you. No, no, we don't. You've listened to these things before, right? We don't actually have a lot of structure to them. So let's let's go down let's go down that road because I think it's a I think it's a great point because I know Michael was was sharing some you know sharing some research as to the the trend of of more people moving in that direction. Yeah, I think at least what I was seeing, and Mike, I'd love to hear your perspective on the sessions you were in at SuccessCon, is that's definitely the the way that we're moving. Um, I don't think we're quite there yet, right? Because it goes back to that idea of resources. And I always find it a little bit um, perplexing about why more organizations aren't looking at customer success, which is revenue that we kind of have a better feel for and how you invest in that versus the maybe revenue on the sales and marketing side, right? It's revenue that maybe is going to come in um, and there's a lot less certainty attached to it, but then the investment and the ratio for that, there's, I think, definitely room for improvement on that front. Also, as you're talking to folks, though, as I run across the opportunities to ask CFOs questions, it's interesting because, to your point, there's still a lot of people who don't really know the difference between customer success uh, and customer support, right? Because we live in this world, we're in this bubble, even in the Bay Area versus some other regions, and talking to folks um, having recently moved up to Seattle, and seeing the difference in where the maturity is in these different pockets, I, I'm not really sure what the timeline looks like, but it is moving. Of course, I think folks like us would like to see it move a little faster, but that's also why we need to start having these conversations. Yeah, it was um, 
I think it was interesting to compare the feel of the two events. So before, like, uh, and I'll answer the question about um, revenue own ownership, and I want Drew's perspective on that in particular, because um, I know that he's he's been in a lot of organisations where customer success is quite closely connected to the sales organisation. Um, but just a comment on the feel of the feel of the events as well that. You know, TSW is giant, like big conference, thousands of people, thousands of people focused on the larger organizations and talking a lot about transforming from one model to another. So the success con, I got the vibe, it's a, you know, the event itself is a little bit, quite a lot smaller, um, but it gives it a more intimate feel in as much as you were, instead of having somebody keynoting and just kind of talking at you it felt more like a conversation with with a set number of people in the room and then in the breakouts you were like you know you're in a you're in a like 10 15 person breakout so you're actually just it's less of a presentation you're having a conversation with the person who's actually practically done the thing you're trying to learn about and so that that I found was was really useful in terms of a different sort of feel that you don't tend to get at a lot of the uh, a lot of the larger conferences. But at the same time, uh, a lot of the people there are typically from typically from smaller organisations and maybe at a slightly earlier stage of maturity. Um, so I know that like while it was helpful to be in some of those conversations, there's a lot of people still trying to find their way in in the space within that um, within those those conferences, which is you know it's it, it's good. So there's a different there's definitely a very different vibe about them and the the point about you know the point about revenue ownership i think is really is a really interesting one because it's i think it's more of a point of getting making sure that whatever organization you set up and whatever purpose it has is directly connected to a problem that your board recognizes that it has at the time um, and what, the thing that brought that home to me was hearing um, mark pecoraro talk about the the kind of challenges that, it, that he he had when coming into new customer success roles as a customer success VP, and one of the things that he was saying was the thing that made him relevant was showing this like little having this little set of data that allowed him to show you know where where customers were where customers were churning what they were saying about the what they were saying about the service what were the root causes of where the 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 issues that the business were experiencing were having and therefore presenting what he was up to in the language of the board which doesn't require I always I remember the narrative last year in the and the year before in the customer success space was how can we get the board to believe in customer success and you're like if you're dependent on belief that's a terrible strategy um, and so you know data is much better than belief because it's harder to argue with data um, and so it was really interesting to hear Mark talk about that and uh, on a on a kind of related point I, you know Drew you you started this the, the conversation before we were recording of talking about how you've seen shapes of customer success orgs very shaped by whom is uh, you know the prevailing culture of the organization or the type of problem set that they're familiar with um i don't know if that's influenced the connections between sales and sales and success and the connection to revenue yeah that's a, a great great point in that what i was saying is the previous experience of the leader within uh, that's responsible for customer success typically is the driver of how that organization functions. And as we've all seen, customer success is not typically a leadership role that's hired initially, and it's then owned by somebody else, a COO or 
or VP of sales and revenue. And because customer success is so new, those people typically don't have the experience of being boots on the ground and direct customer experience and the quote unquote new way that we work with customers as a transition from account management to customer success. And so all of those things said, when you get a, a, a leader that has a previous experience with account management, then a lot of the philosophies mirror what their experience from account management is with a, a few changes into customer success. And, and I think that's a direct lead into revenue ownership. And so right, revenue ownership is going to, to be looked at from an organization that, that's um, more traditional as saying if, if your team doesn't have a direct ownership of revenue, then you're not as important. And, and that's obviously not true. And in reality, revenue ownership really um, is, is much more a function of the, the business model that you have and the adoption cycle. And I think we've talked about this on a previous podcast, but it depends on if you're selling a solution in which there's full adoption from initially using it, and it's a, a binary component, meaning if you're buying a, a call center solution, once they go live with that, then they are all using it. There is not a choice. And then there's other options that, you know, like a Dropbox, for instance, like you're going to have to help retrain that organization how to use file sharing in, in that more effective way. And I think that that stem of revenue ownership leads to customer success role, which is, you know, they have a direct data point, many data points that will tell you whether there's going to be revenue growth or retention with that customer. And, and that should really be the focus and, and, and the role of customer success in the same way that there's a leading indicators for initial sales, like number of leads, lead channels, conversion rates. That's not an actual deal that's closed. Those are leading indicators of future deals. And yet there's compensation structures and entire teams that are very important to organizations that are just responsible for leads. So I think to Ellie's point, taking that same approach um, and putting it into the customer success group is is a hugely Im important area. Yeah, a I love long-winded answer. Andrew, for you. no, I was going to just say, um, and Mike, you probably heard about uh, you were I think in the session as well, and it was interesting to have somebody from Gainsight actually talk about how they really look at this because if there's any place where you have, I think, a little bit more leverage to say customer success and sales should be more aligned or to have more infrastructure, it's probably Gainsight with the leading of the charge and them being a customer success company. And so when they look at calculating a customer's readiness score before they even look at closing the deal and then having the team to align on, okay, so now that we realize there are these gaps and also including the customer in that, um, you talked about the product, and so I think that definitely goes into part of, okay, how ready are you for us, whether it's a customer success platform or, you know, Dropbox that you mentioned. I think it's important to, I don't, I don't know how realistic it is for every organization to get to this point, but to, to kind of the elements you mentioned earlier, to really know, okay, how are we going to measure this to be able to get some semblance of tracking and having insights and really paying attention to these leading indicators, moving a lot of the organizations from the kind of catch-all buckets that they are today to being more intentional and strategic 
that's going to be, I think, hand in hand with how much revenue they're going to be able to say, yes, I can sign up for this or yes, I can impact that. Whereas now it seems like a lot of organizations are handed this bucket and they say, okay, protect this and grow it. Like you don't know what it is. You'll, you'll know once you open it up and look inside, but that's kind of how it feels now versus where we need to get to. But it's very similar to a, and that, that in a way is very similar to a sales organization, right? If you're a new salesperson, you get a territory. Any decent salesperson, the first thing they're going to do is qualify their territory and say, either you gave me a bag of stuff that isn't very good. Look at that. I managed to not swear. Um, either you gave me a bag of stuff that's not great or... Um, you know, these are the ones I think are going to convert. And I'm telling you that I haven't got enough qualified stuff in my pipe to hit the number. And so you need to help me out. Um, and there's not a lot of, there's not a ton of that sort of discipline within within the customer success space. Um, I think the, the Gainso example was a good one of where they've managed to engineer that all the way back into their process. But I bet that that came from somebody initially doing that qualification exercise when they didn't have that process and saying, hang on a minute, one of the biggest issues that we've got here with making our customers successful is we're not selling in a way that allows them to be set up for success. And so we need to bake that into our process. Um, I want to come back to to close on the point, the, one of the points that Drew was making, which is <clears throat> there's when people say should CS orgs own revenue or not, it's almost like they're not the it's a bit going back to our question on like ratios like where the, the ratios question is the wrong question to answer because that's actually a question about process the should you own revenue question is is also in, in in of that type where i think the real question that you're looking to try and answer is what is the what is the challenge you are trying to solve and what is the accepted metric in the business for representing whether that challenge has been solved or not and in a lot of organizations that metric is revenue because that's something that everybody understands they understand renewal they understand upsell <clears throat> in other places it's not um in, in microsoft we it's usage like we we understand that usage is important we've done the analysis that shows that links to links to renewal and so a lot of our customer success orgs are gold on getting people to use the service not on whether the revenue bit is is there and that's because you know that that that's because one we we've done we know that the two things are linked to each other and we can show that um and we talk about usage in in things like our um our kind of quarterly earnings calls um but the other reason is that uh we because of the way that we sell there isn't necessarily a direct connection between how the like what the customer success org is doing and the commercial dimension of trying to secure a renewal and upsell because of because we sell in a very very broad way particularly in big organizations we sell like big licensed deals that cover a huge suite of products and so you're one you're one part of that <clears throat> and so you're not as directly connected to that thing and so it's i think it's important to always look at those dynamics of like what's the what's the measure what's the reason why this this or that customer success org needs to exist at any given time and then what's the measure that the board already understands so that you're not then having to both justify the existence of your organization and explain a measure that they don't understand yet do you see a lot of organizations a general question is that a struggle is that is that a big struggle that everybody's facing is changing that mindset in the way that you explained um I think the biggest, I think, I think well, sorry. Well, sorry. 
Go ahead. Uh, okay, I was just going to say that I think part of the difficulty with the mindset and the struggle is that you're going from, geez, like decades and centuries of, it's almost like instant gratification where as soon as the deal closed, you know exactly what you're going to get versus doing things through habit and then getting the result you're looking for, right? And so if we think about applying that even into our personal lives, being able to get a flu shot and know that I've now protected myself, it's so much easier to understand than to convince somebody to say, okay, if you eat your vegetables and take your vitamins, then one day you know you're going to be in a better place. And even though logically we all understand that, it's a lot harder to get people to take that action because it's not instant gratification. It's a great it's, point. It's so true. It's, um, it, I don't know if this is necessarily as, as relevant to the question that you asked, Drew, but I thought, Ellie, the, the point that you made around, you know, um, looking at your customer's readiness and thinking about how that ties to the, the company's overall success, I think is just a super fascinating and, and even a, um, it's, it's more understandable or it's, it's easier for the board to understand. Um, so I think it's a, it's a really interesting question to ask um, in, even in the sales cycle, as you mentioned, that, that Gainsight has that entire practice. Um, you know, I, I could certainly see that being um, a very, a really good way and effective way to help organizations that have been kind of in this um, focus of revenue to think about um, how we can use the customer's readiness to then predict the success, you know, of the company long term. Um, in, long, in, a, in a really roundabout way, I'd love to hear a little bit about, um, you know, what were some of the practices that were interesting or that you would recommend to, um, you know, to customer success organizations to determine customer readiness? What were some of the, some of the factors that jump out to you? I think it was a lot in line with even um, some of the elements that Boaz talks about when he's looking at the customer maturity, right? You're looking at where the customer is in their own maturity of business and where they are with everything. For example, if you're going into a customer and they're, they don't even have Salesforce, right? You, gotta, you have to temper your expectation for how ready are they even to start tracking things in a platform. Right, what if they're still tracking their sales pipeline in Excel, right? Maybe that's not going to be a great fit um, and maybe they're expecting you to be that magic bullet and you need to set that expectation with a customer saying that, hey, it's not like I'm going to show up and do everything for you and it's a magic wand, right? You're gonna have to put in some effort and work and there's some change management expectations that you're setting for your customers. Whereas if you see that they've already got all of their systems in place, they've got advocacy, they've got the voice of customer programs, they've got their cab set up, all of that, then that's definitely more of a, okay, now they're ready to kind of take things to the next level because they have the foundational elements in place. But if they're still kind of all over the place and they haven't even given you some semblance of confidence that you can have in their own ability to determine their strategy or to have even figured that out, that's those would be things that I would be looking for and say, okay, 
how realistic is it that this customer is going to be a successful customer? Because from our perspective, because we've been handed those bags of things that, as Mike eloquently put it, not so great stuff inside. <laughs> and, uh, and, we've, and so having been through that and seen some of those elements and you see those red flags, I, I kind of just carry those with me no matter what organization or what teams that we're working with or whatever their product is, you, you start seeing these flags and you've got to pay attention to them and then be able to root cause it to put it back into the process to say, hey, sales, if you're seeing this, this is probably not a customer that you want to prioritize and it's no longer anything with a pulse being a prospect, right? It's just not the case anymore. I've never heard that phrase before. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, super helpful. Um, I think it's just a, a really fascinating way to to clarify the um, that necessary dynamic um, and perhaps a bit of a tension between customer success and sales um, to ensure that we think about the long term success for the company um, and for the customers as well. Right? Um, how can we guide them? towards being successful long-term. Some of it is... And it even um, uh, reminds me, I was going to, um, so I was, Drew and I were chatting before, uh, Mike and, and you, Kathleen, had dialed on, and we were talking about kind of the state of customer success in organizations, and one of the concerns that we're seeing coming up on the horizon that's becoming more prominent as we're seeing more of these larger organizations, um, like Microsoft included, Right, that are really kind of putting the pedal on uh, pressing down on that gas with customer success and the vacuum that it's creating for the need for talent. And I think that even though it's not necessarily like you know tracking the customer health score, looking at churn, retention, expansion, all of that, but I think filling the pipeline of leadership, especially as there's still so much confusion about what it should be, what it can look like, people who've been in it long enough to understand what flags to look for, um, what potholes to steer from, I think that there's going to be, that's going to be one of the largest challenges for our industry is to make sure that we have some sort of pipeline that we're building to scale, to bring in the right kind of practitioners into customer success that understand it not only from a philosophical perspective, but also a practical perspective. That is so true. We, we, that topic did not come up at TSW. However, um, I am certain that as, as you mentioned, as these organizations um, really start to firm up the need for customer success, you're right. I, we can see it already, or I can see it already um, from my vantage point that there is a vacuum of, of leadership that really understands customer success. Um, and how to establish it within these large organizations. Yeah, and that's a great opportunity for everyone that is uh, that is in this industry and has some has some experience of it. I think as long as you are able to speak the language of the people that you're trying to convince. So there's no point in coming in being a strong customer success evangelist who uses lots of terminology that nobody really understands. Um, it's about understanding the problem that the, your business has at the time and talking about what you do in the language that they are thinking about that problem in until such, until such time as you've got them to a point where they understand that the connection between 
the the connection between the problem that they think they have and the problem that you're trying to go and trying to go and solve because if there's too big a gap between those two things you're not you're not relevant uh, and you won't be successful and so i think that's a you know that that's an important point to consider is understand what problem your business thinks it has and phrase what you do in the terms of that problem so that you are relevant to what they are currently trying to do because it's really hard to uh, both stand up an organization and deliver it whilst at the same time trying to convince people that you should actually be solving a different problem to the one that the whole rest of the business is trying to solve. That's not a great strategy. Um, I want to just uh, I want to I want to take the opportunity to kind of sum up here in terms of um, in terms of some of the points that we talked about. Um, we've we've covered we, we started by talking about uh, the differences between uh, TSW and and the and SuccessCon and some of the things that we were seeing there. There's lots of different events in the customer success space, and they all have a very kind of different feel and a different historical audience uh, and a different set of challenges that they're trying to address. And we saw that uh, you know, where TSW is often large organizations trying to look at how to transform themselves from an older model to one where it's very more customer success focused. Um, the, the, theme at, um, the theme at SuccessCon was more kind of the slightly smaller end of organizations looking at either how to scale what they're currently doing um, or, you know, make, or, or continue to make the case for uh, case for customer success and prove value. Um, and they have, then those two events have a very different vibe. One is a lot larger, another one, the, the, the SuccessCon is slightly smaller and therefore has a great kind of more informal, more conversational vibe to it. Um, we talked about uh, the importance of customer qualification in terms of uh, understanding what your pipeline of things you're supposed to be making successful look like and getting your sponsors to understand what are the two or three things that you're always going to look for in customers that help you determine their likelihood to be successful and in using data to prove prove that out and talked about some some practical things you could do there and, and then the last point we were we were talking about was regardless of who is driving the customer success initiative within your organization make sure that you understand the relevant measure that allows you to be connected to the challenge that your broader the, the broader business thinks it has at the time um, because being a being a philosopher a philosopher or an evangelist isn't particularly practical if people are people have a, a particular burning issue and in terms of and if you solve the issue the business thinks it has uh, using what you're doing, that gives you license to then help people understand the real issues that they should be going and solving uh, if they're not the same. And uh, and so thank you to Drew, thank you to Kathleen, thank you uh, to Ellie. It's great having a, a, a new face uh, in, in this conversation. Um, really appreciate the time today. For those listening, uh, if you have any suggestions for topics, any thoughts on uh, what we what we what you'd like to hear us talking about here or other people you'd like to hear talking if you're fed up of listening to us um, or have any comments about today uh, or any questions, uh, we, you can reach us on at CSM SuccessCast on Twitter uh, and we look forward to hearing from you and we will be back with another topic next time. So thank you all for listening and thank you all for contributing. I appreciate it.